You may be seated. Thank you so much. So today we want to talk about that uh, word, that word of God that was made flesh, Uh, the strange word incarnation. Incarnation means in the flesh, right? See a baseball player by the name of Incarcion, right? Incarnacion, right? Uh, Man, he's carrying around the gospel of Jesus all the time. He may not even know it, right? The word made flesh. As we come to this, uh, at this time, to talk about more mysteries that matter. Last week we talked about the mystery of the saving God. Today we're talking about the mystery of God with us. I, this Christmas Advent, this time of year, it terrifies me. It terrifies me. Not in the way that you may think. It, it, terif- it doesn't, ter- you know, I mean, shopping is terrifying to me. So I put it off until December 24th, normally. However, I am vowing today to turn over a new leaf and to start on the 23rd. As you can imagine. Now what terrifies me about this uh, season is that we can be overrun by sentimentality and make the grave mistake of reducing God to what we want when it has to do with so much more than that. Just, just like even as a, as a follower of Christ, like as a believer, it, it's easy to turn this into a sentiment, right? Like it's just like the baby, oh, you know, and the mom and, you know, and, and everything. It's just so easy to just turn the whole cradle scene into sentimentality. You know, just like, you know, I, I saw an advertisement for a car company and after after bringing, you know, the news about their car that they want us to buy, it just said right in the midst of a joy to the world. And it showed a woman sitting inside of this luxury SUV and said, finally, a sanctuary. Everything is just like twisted, turned to, even the very words that have been given to us in the faith have been co-opted by the culture to draw us into a manner of thinking, drawing us into the cult of the material, the God of possessions. It's just, it's just like saturates our entire time. And even as believers, we can like feel so good about you know what God has done, and we just we end up with a real gushy, sentimental feeling, and and all, and then we walk out, and we live unaffected by the reality that God has sent his son Jesus Christ into the world. It's just, and we end up making God in our own image into what we want him to be. A few years ago, um, I was uh, in, in another city. I was a part of the Rotary Club and I was invited uh, one one day uh, and it just it just struck me I, actually, I recoiled at it, but uh, the president of the club, knowing that I was the pastor, of course, uh, invited me up and said, hey, Dave, would you come up and say a little prayer? And I just go, Whoa. like, there are no little prayers. 
I forget what I prayed on that day, but in reflecting about it, uh, here's what I wish I would have prayed. A short prayer, but not a little. Almighty God of unpredictable love, rock our lives, turn everything upside down so that we are free from our illusions of control and shape us fully in the image of Jesus Christ. Amen. <laughs> right? I mean, sometimes we just turn it into, now, you know, now I appreciate this, but now I lay me down to sleep, pray the Lord my soul to keep. And that's, that's good. But if you're still praying that, when you're a follower of Jesus as an adult, I have news for you. There is more to pray. There are great prayers to pray. And they don't have to be long. And they don't have to be like all academic. And they don't have to sound like your pastor. They can just sound like you. Praying a big prayer to a big God. See, too many times what we believe about God is is simply a reflection of what we want God to be rather than what is revealed to us in the Scriptures. It might be good, as Miroslav Volf reminds us, that we remember Isaiah 55 where it says, For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts, declares the Lord. He goes on to say, That our hearts become factories of idols in which we fashion and refashion God to fit our needs and desires. But as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, we have a God who has revealed himself. And we have a word that has been given to us. And the word incarnate, the word in the flesh, is where we turn to understand who God is. Amen? Who God is. So perhaps we should find ourselves in order to break free of sentimentality or of the gods of our culture, perhaps we should find ourselves on this day following after the four hours of repentance, turn our hearts once again toward God in Christ, renouncing the lies that have been fed to us by cultures, but also by our own desires, that we would replace it with what God truly says about himself and about us, which is the best news of all, And that we should receive the power of the Holy Spirit to in fact walk in the way that God invites us to walk for the fullness of life and peace on earth. Our dear friend, our neighbors across the street helped us raise our daughter, Amy, and we helped raise their daughters. Mary suddenly passed away a few weeks ago, about 10 o'clock at night. They couldn't save her. Massive heart attack. It was Mary's um, practice during every Advent. At the beginning of December, she would make her way all throughout the neighborhood. And to all the young kids in the neighborhood, she would hand out Advent calendars, oftentimes filled with chocolates. So who wouldn't want to do an Advent calendar, right? One day at a time. One chocolate at a time, right? Just remembering the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ. She would do that. But she died before this Advent. And so on Advent, or as it began in that week, two of her daughters, when bought the Advent calendars, walked up and down the street in our neighborhood, delivering to the young children their Advent calendars to keep the memory alive of what her mom had done. 
this Advent season and these mysteries that matter, I'm hoping that we can keep the memory alive of who Christ is. Or that the memory of who Christ is, a memory perhaps that we don't have. Maybe we have no spiritual memory. Do you realize that more and more in America, nobody has a God memory. Many people do not have a God memory. God's been there. God's been showing up in Jesus Christ and by the Holy Spirit into the lives of people who don't even know him. But many times they don't have like a conscious memory, a God moment, a God memory. And perhaps by your witness, by your experience in God through Jesus Christ's Advent season, You could be the voice to the voiceless. You could bring about a memory of God into their lives by simply loving people deeply from the heart during this time. It is into this that we now come to the text. Just talking about this mystery that matters, God with us, and in particular just around this this theme of loneliness meets love. Our loneliness meets is met by God's amazing love. Two verses that are of particular importance. One that we read last week, it just has to almost be the theme all the way throughout, but it's Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Amen? Wow, isn't that awesome? And then the next verse is this. So that's the promise, right? That's the promise. And the next verse is the fulfillment. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. Verse 14 of John. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and truth. John testified concerning him. He cried out saying, this is the one I spoke about when I said, he who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. Out of the fullness, out of his fullness, we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth now came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but the one and only son who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the father has made him known. And all God's people said, I was thinking about, wow, but amen will work. All God's people, not just God's, all the people of the earth reading this, understanding a little bit about what this means, go, you know, and like it takes your breath away. No one has ever seen God, but this one and only son who is himself God is in closest relationship with the father He has made him known. He has explained him to us. Oh my goodness. See this word made flesh. The word made flesh. The word was made human. The word made his home with us. This is the mystery of God with us. Right? He has has come. He He has done this. Oh, we sang the word Emmanuel, right? You know what Emmanuel means, right? Say it with me. God with us. That's what Emmanuel means. Therefore, in it, the, the scriptures in, in uh, Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14 says, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. This is like 500 years before the birth of Jesus or so. It says, The Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him 
Emmanuel, the promise now fulfilled. Oh man, how 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 rich he is, how poor he became, says Augustine. In the beginning was the word, John chapter one. In the beginning was the word, and word was with God, and the word was God, and by him all things were made. Right? In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, the word was with God, and the word was God. Look how like how rich he was, and then verse 14, and the word became flesh and lived among us. Look how poor he became. There's a verse back in Paul's writings, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, in which it says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Although he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. Don't mistake that for material possessions. It's much grander than material possessions. He who was in the very form of God, <laughs> putting together some other scriptures, who was in very form God, and who himself knew no sin, took on human flesh, became sin for us. Not that he sinned, but he became sin for us, a sin offering for us so that we might be restored to become the righteousness of God. Uh, It's just like, I mean, seriously, like this is the mystery of the presence of God, of the real, the reality of God with us, that this is what has happened in this particular place, this particular time, the offense of God taking on human flesh. And this is the challenge for us to believe the mystery that God became flesh, that God entered into humanity, that God knows what it's like to be you, that God gets under the entire load of your life, under the entire suffering of the whole world in order to reconcile us to God and to heal our brokenness. What an amazing truth. And gospel it is, right? Let's just, that just leads us into this. Like, like for what purpose is this? Why has he come? It says in, in uh, verse 16, and we have seen his glory. Or verse 14, and we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and the only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. What is the purpose? That question has been raised for a long time. Way, way back, you know, in third, fourth centuries. I mean, so I'm going to reach back a long ways to some writings, okay? Irenaeus, he, he, he raised the question, for what purpose did Christ come down from heaven? Answer, that he might destroy sin, that he might overcome death and give life to humans. <laughs> yeah, anybody, anybody like human here? Is it, is it, would this be for you? Like, this is for you. This, you don't even have to be a believer. This is for you whether you believe or not. This is why he came. You don't, you don't have to. This, right now, nothing is required of you. This is the gift of God to all of us. To those sitting in here. To those who have never come into a church. To those who are far, far away. This is, this is for everybody. This is for humans. For what purpose did Christ come down from heaven? That he might destroy sin, overcome death, and give life to humans. 
And this is like the glory. This is, this is the glory of Christ that in his cross he overcame sin and Satan and death, right? Let, let me just, uh, if you'll just pop up on the screen this paraphrase, right, of Hebrews chapter 2. And it, it goes like this, okay? He shared in our humanity so that he could break the power of the devil and the power of death and the power of sins. And you can read all the verses in full. I won't take time to do it, but that, that is why he came. Look at that. Look at that. Does, does not, do we not suffer under the power of the evil one and the power of death and fear of death and the power of sins? And yet he came. He came that he might. This is why he became flesh. Not, not so that we could have a manger scene. Because you see, the manger scene is merged with the cross which points us to the fact that he came to bring a victory to us. That's awesome. I don't know about you, but I need, I need victory in my life, man. <laughs> because the evil one and my own evil thoughts and my own, all that stuff, and, you know, the power of death and, you know, how, how we struggle with, like, our own infirmities and weaknesses and fears and all of this, right? And how isolation is so much a part. In fact, he enters into this, this whole matter so that in the midst of our loneliness, we are met by love. This whole, this whole, this whole experience of loneliness within our world, I mean, it is, it is severe. It is severe in our world, especially during Christmas, during these seasons. Henry Nouwen said that loneliness is one of the most universal sources of human suffering. You look at people that are dressed well and they can be just suffering so deeply from loneliness. Insurance companies, they, medical insurance companies, they, that loneliness is an epidemic and it's costing them American, you know, America insurance companies just more than anything else. It's, it's, it's a pandemic here in our country. Just the results of loneliness. What it does to the mind, what it does to the body, where it leads. Loneliness. Loneliness is biblically a result of estrangement. We're estranged from God and we're estranged from our own hearts and our own true identity. So in that level of loneliness is happiness is happening. You know, we're estranged from God. That's just going to create, we were created for him. And our souls are restless until we find our rest in him, right? And so when we're estranged from him, we're going to experience a profound existential loneliness deep inside of our hearts. And we're estranged from God. We're estranged from our own hearts and our true identity. So we live out false narratives that only complicate our lives and increase our loneliness And we're estranged from others because of our own sins and the sins of others. That's the most substantive loneliness that is going on in the world. And then there's just the awful loneliness of loss. Not through any sin on our part necessarily. It's just there's death and there's loss. It's difficult, and we're left, we're left alone. And many times we, we are, we're pursuing really kind of in the wrong direction. A lot of times loneliness is even increased. And that loneliness just comes. Loneliness is going to be a part of our experience. just want to set you at ease there. It's just, if you're lonely, it doesn't mean you're evil. But loneliness is a part of our experience. Jesus has come to speak into it, right? 
So there can just be there can just be this loneliness. A lot of times that is increased, however, by us being in pursuit of something other than God. So here it's really interesting. I, this question was raised in some of my reading over the last few weeks. Do I want to know who I am or do I want to know who God is? So if we are only pursuing who I am, who am I? Who am I? Who am I? I'm, I'm, I'm in on that whole pursuit. There's a high chance that you're going to increase your sense of isolation and loneliness. But when you begin to pursue who God is and just seek out who he is, you will find yourself. It's a journey. <laughs> and it takes community together. But into this situation, into this flesh, that, that he has come, right? So that we might be set free. So that we might find strength in our loneliness. <laughs> I, I suppose sometimes the loneliness leaves all of it. But I suspect that a lot of times it doesn't. Because at times I feel very lonely. And at times you feel very lonely. But there is strength in the loneliness. By the presence of Jesus. Who knows what it's like to be you. Who has taken on all your fleshly experience. Even the worst of it. There's no place. Where Jesus is not. Psalm 39 says, even if I go to the far reaches of the earth, even if I say, let the light around me be dark, even there you will be, because the, the dark is as light to you. And the last thing I just want to say is that we all received, we all received grace upon grace, so we might say with that, everybody gets included, okay? Out of, the, out of his fullness, we, have all, we all receive, we all received grace upon grace. Everybody gets included. Everybody gets included in the offer. Did you know that? Did you? Okay, I'm going I'm to say some very purposeful things at this point in the message. Everybody gets included. You want to say that with me? Everybody gets included. Bob Goff wrote this. We tell people, come as they are, but only if they'll change enough to make us comfortable once they come. That's not how love works. Love says, we need you even more if you're different from the rest of us. Love says, everyone has something to teach us, and God will use people from the edges from from the edges to expand our understanding of his grace right in the middle of where we live. Love says everyone who's invited is truly wanted. We're reminded by Jim Wallace in a recent book he wrote in which he said the early church was making a public statement because baptism, which we'll do next week, and if you want to be baptized, please let me know today. I would love to hold you under the water for a brief moment. Because in a public statement, baptism was a public and not a private event. It was the statement that said this. In this community, 
we will overcome the divisions between Jews and Greeks, men and women, slaves and free, if you don't want to be part of the kind of community whose purpose is to bring people together, don't join this community. Imagine churches in America making that kind of strong statement today. We need to reimagine that the early church reality could be born again into our reality. So you see, at creation, the word, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. In the beginning, the word was at creation. All things were made by him. All things were made by every person that you see on the street, every person of color, every person of, of different um, nations, every, different tongues, every person, every, every person who has, even people who, have, people who have gender confusion, all these things, all these people were made by God. All these people, all these people were made, Republicans were made by God. Democrats were made by God. Mexicans were made by God. Muslims were made by God. Everybody was made by God and were made for him. All right? And the the word became flesh. Not just Jewish flesh, flesh, flesh. People flesh, humanity. And entered in. And in that very moment, all races, all, you know, all races were made for him and by him. Every person bears the image of God. And Jesus came to restore us into relationship with God. Everybody. Amen? Okay, you still hanging up with me? Well, not hanging up. You hanging with me? Here we go. So that means that nationalism, whatever nation, tribalism, prejudices, all these ways in which we exclude others, these things, love overcomes. The Good Samaritan story reminds us that love crosses over and ministers to those who are broken because love finds a way. Amen? This is the word made flesh. All of a sudden, this little phrase, so easily spoken in sentimentality, becomes... the word that revolutionizes our relationships as we love one another. So we might say in conclusion, loneliness meets love and the mystery of God with us. So on this day, on this day, someone entered into our broken space and broken hearts so that we could be reconciled to God and to one another. On this day, He declared the enemy's doom was certain. On this day, he declared war against injustice, racism, bigotry, abuse of persons created in the image of God and against any nationalism that vilifies other races, colors, or languages, or cultures. On this day, he reminded us that everyone is worthy of love. On this day, he began to teach us humility and how to cross all the hard lines and high fences of prejudice and fear. And on this day, he set in motion the new humanity of which the church is to be the demonstration 
on earth on this day. We are invited into our likeness to God to give grace and to lay down our lives to live freely and fearlessly. On this day, we celebrate that the Word was made flesh. Emmanuel, the mystery of God in this single person, Jesus of Nazareth, has turned the curse and the blessing has come. Amen? Amen. What child is this? Songwriter wrote, this is Christ the King. Hurry, hurry, haste, haste to bring him praise. Nails and spears shall pierce him through the cross he bore for me, for you. Hail, hail, the word made flesh, the babe, the son of Mary. Amen. Praise be to God for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's stand together. We're going to sing this song. What babe is this? Oh, by the way, it's not a sentimental song after all. (laughs) The word became flesh. Nails and spears. The cradle and the cross. God with us. It's a mystery I'll never get fully used to, but I surely want to live in the experience of what he has done. Amen? Amen. Amen. Father, thank you so much. We bless your name. We declare you with boldness, with gladness. We are called to be your people here. We have a different message. It's a message of God's unfailing love. It's a truth that calls us to align with the reconciling and the restoring work of Jesus Christ. Thank you. We give you praise. And now we sing your praise. Amen.